Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to the EM360 podcast, where we have a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Max Curtin, Head of Content here at EM360 and your host on this podcast. Make sure you stay up to date with all of our latest episodes by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you go for your podcasting fix. Now, in today's episode, I'm being joined by Kieran Flanagan, who is the Senior Vice President Marketing at HubSpot. And Kieran is here to discuss the new age of B2B customer communication and marketing in response to HubSpot's new acquisition of The Hustle and its launch of the podcast network. So, Kieran, welcome to the show and thanks for coming on today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Max. It's great to have you here today, and this is a subject near and dear to my heart, so I'm looking forward to kind of delving into this area. Yeah. But before we get into those questions, would you mind just giving our listeners a bit of background on yourself and uh, HubSpot as well? Yeah, so uh, HubSpot is uh, kind of the number one CRM for scaling companies. Uh, we have full front office uh, platform that allows you to uh, have your CRM, manage your contacts, do marketing, do sales, do customer success, do rev ops. And so we have all the kind of tools you need for growing businesses. And I've been at HubSpot for eight years. Um, I've done a couple of things, help grow out the international business, kind of help the company pivot to this uh, product-led go-to-market where you can sign up for our free tools and get started before you ever have to pay us any money. And then uh, more lately, kind of leading the efforts to really build a full uh, media offering uh, across kind of all all channels that are applicable to our customers, and uh, we're really excited about that. Amazing stuff! The man knows all about HubSpot. That's exactly what we need, which means you're going to know all about marketing. So let's dive into our first kind of set of questions here. So when we're kind of talking about this, it's always good to kind of set the scene for our listeners who may not be in this space or are kind of interested in kind of what's going on and and how it's kind of positioned in the market at the moment. So what is the current state of B2B marketing and how has the general online battle, I should say, for customer attention evolved over, let's say, the last five years? Yeah, I like to think about B2B marketing or just B2B go-to-markets in four distinct phases. So there was a time that a lot of B2B marketing was predominantly focused on decision-maker marketing. And so if you kind of go back 10, 15 years ago, a lot of what B2B marketing was focused on was people who bought products. And we were targeting a very niche group of buyers. Think about things like uh, paid marketing events, white papers, account-based marketing, which has been kind of more of a, 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 a tactic that's appeared over the last five to 10 years to do that. Companies like Oracle, SendGrid, Workday, that's kind of how they've grown. I think uh, what happened with HubSpot and Inbound was we kind of saw this shift towards bottoms-up company or bottoms-up content. And so you saw a lot of companies starting to publish educational content to attract people who both bought the products and use the products, right? It wasn't just here's content that's applicable for whoever has the budget, whoever's buying this product. It's also applicable for all of the people who actually use those products. What that meant for B2B companies is we could start to think a little bit more about scale. How could we build really large audiences? And I think the tactics, the people who are good at that are very different from people who are really good at decision-maker marketing. And you think tactics like inbound marketing, SEO, content marketing, uh, free tools, 
all of these things help you grow a large audience for your brand. I think it makes B2B a lot more interesting, a lot more exciting. Companies at the forefront of that are, uh, you know, HubSpot, ProfitWell, MailChimp, these kind of companies who are very publishing led. The third phase that uh, I've been involved in as well was, if you kind of think about that, well, now we're creating bottoms up content for these people who can use our tools. So we're creating an audience of people who both buy our tools and use our tools. So we have this huge audience of people who really can start using our tools, but don't control the budget. The natural evolution is to start to move toward a kind of product-led model where you can actually have free versions of your tools that everyone can try, regardless if they own the budget or not within that company, and start to extract value from you from day one. And I think that's really interesting. So we've seen that shift, not just from creating content for these people, but actually having product for these people. The next phase, which I think uh, is going to be super interesting and what we believe and what we're kind of starting to build out is this evolution towards community-led and, and media, right? The next kind of phase for B2B marketing is how do you just become a real destination for your audience? How do you create media across text, video, audio, become part of their daily lives? And how do you really develop an ongoing relationship through community? So in the product-led, it's very search, it's paid, it's virality. Companies like Loom, Calendly have done really well like that. If your listeners have heard of those companies, and I think in that media and community-led era, we're going to start to see a lot of companies invest in newsletters, podcasts, YouTube, all of these different ways that you can communicate with your audience. And of course, community, and you see companies like Notion and Airtable really invest in some of these tactics and particularly on the community side. Couldn't agree more. It's such an interesting space and the evolution over the past couple of years has been kind of astronomical and it's it's great seeing other companies kind of get on board and seeing the value that all of this can kind of bring and the B2B marketing isn't just a set thing, it can be so much more and that evolution I think is only going to get better and better and if we speak about kind of a, a next step, it was uh, a blog post that you kind of put together that was I found really interesting to read, where you put in uh, the instead of the traditional model of having a software company embedded inside of a media company, HubSpot predicts that the next generation of tech companies will have the opposite. So why is it important for modern or new businesses, especially when we're talking in this B2B and tech organization space, to have an in-house media company and really get a foothold in the media formats that we're, we're all kind of familiar with. Yeah, I think that uh, we've started to see more and companies kind of agree on that. So after we did that deal, we saw um, Brian Armstrong, the founder of Coinbase, kind of cite Hustle being acquired by HubSpot uh, as, as a way that they started to think about media and that they, they believe in media. And I've seen some other founders of software companies kind of uh, start to talk about this trend. The thing that I uh, have kind of come back to is if we think about the inbound marketing, which was that bottoms up, com uh, bottoms up content, like how do we create bottoms up content and attract people to our brand through educational content? And we kind of juxtapose that with the kind of inbound media era, which is like, how do I create media across all of these different channels to be an ever prevalent part of my audience's lives? In that inbound marketing era, What's super interesting about that is it's very it's very specific to educational content. And actually, educational content has been disrupted over the past decade because you have all of these brands, all of these creators creating educational content for their audiences. It's no longer just something a few niche educational companies can do. But when you were in that era of people kind of publishing content that was very educational in nature, 
really people consume content when they had a problem because educational content online and digital really maps well to Google. People are searching on Google, they have a problem, they find that content. Why I think we're moving into this inbound media era where it's really important to have this full breadth of media at your disposal is because people consume content when they have a problem, but they also consume content when they just have time. Digital media has become a really big part of our daily lives. So over the past 12 months, digital media consumption has actually grown three to four X um, during COVID. We're just consuming so much more of it. It's an ever prevalent part of our lives. And I think that means you need to have skills in blogs, podcasts, video, newsletter. When you're kind of just doing the education, it's very blog-centric because that maps to Google search. But when you are moving into that in the media area, it's very blogs, podcasts, video, news, uh, and newsletter. The other fascinating thing is, you know, what inbound marketing did for companies is it took education and made education part of how they grew an audience for their brand and for their products and then for their services. And in that era, people started to really trust brands to be a leading voice for education, right? We, I would not now go to a software company and I'm very comfortable learning about something from that software company. I'm very comf comfortable getting a certification to show that I know this knowledge. And that's very different if you had thought like, 10, 20 years ago that I'm going to a non-educational company and getting my education. In that inbound media era, which I think we're moving towards, really, I think people are going to trust brands to be a leading voice for all of their media. They don't just have to go to these media companies or these media organizations to get their topics. I think they are going to trust the brands who have leading voices within those expertise. And that's why I think what Coinbase are going to do, it's going to be pretty fascinating because they are a leading voice within cryptocurrency. And I think they can actually create a lot of media and help people shape the way they think about something. And then the last thing I'll touch upon is, again, when we go back to that inbound marketing era, when we think about education as being the core way we publish content, publishing became democratized and that favored brands. So brands were able to invest in education and in particular software brands were able to monetize that education in really interesting ways because they just have, you know, they have software, especially in SaaS, you have like very good uh, margins on software. And so that democratization of that content and education really helped to favor brands. In that inbound media era, which is, again, what I think we're moving into, the entire, and I would be interested to hear what you think about this, the entire kind of publishing business model is starting to get democratized, not just publishing itself, how I take payments, how I grow an audience. You see companies like Substack and all of these other companies are kind of democratizing the entire publishing business model and making it easier for individual creators to get started. And I think that favors creators. And I think for companies to plug themselves in and to be relevant to these creators and to be able to work with these creators, they need to have a more of a media approach to the way that they actually create content uh, and be relevant across all of these different channels. I couldn't agree more. It's you're 100% spot on when it's it's available to everyone now. Everyone is able to create content if they want, and you you have so many sources available for people to kind of hunt down and gather the information that they kind of need. So it makes sense that organizations really need to step up and also follow that trend because not everyone is, say, passionate about podcasts or not everyone's passionate about reading blogs or watching videos. Everyone's got a set niche of how they want to consume media and how they want to consume that information and educational content. So I, I love the idea of people bringing it in-house and, and really being creative. And it also, competition breeds innovation. So it's also yeah. great to kind of see these organizations kind of competing against each other because we do it. You know, we see company X doing this and we're like, okay, how do we beat that? How do we make this better? Um, and I think that's a massive positive at the end of the day. And it's it's interesting to see where the next 
three to five years kind of goes because even the past two years, there's been a massive uphill change. You talked about the consumption element. That's only going to get bigger, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Like we live on, it's it's fascinating to me. Uh, I, I looked at a stat recently and there's 5 billion people on the internet. 20% of those have broadband. So only 20% of that 5 billion have broadband, but there's companies like uh, Starlink and other companies who are going to put satellites in the air to give the rest of the people access to high-speed broadband. It, there may not be, uh, there may be a time uh, very soon where another 4 billion people are coming online to consume more content, to do more things. Mm-hmm. And so it's fascinating to think that we're still at the kind of uh, early stages of this. And I think there's still a lot of evolution to go. And I think in, within media itself, and again, you would have a better grasp on this. I don't, you probably live and, and breathe this stuff each and every day. It's yes. just such an exciting, innovative, creative space right now. There's just so many interesting things going on. And I think brands and software brands in particular, they need to be in that space. They need to become expertise within that space to still to be able to stay relevant to their consumers and to be able to build things that their consumers actually want to interact with. Definitely. And and that's a very important point to make for organizations who are listening, who are starting to build, or oh, I want a media in-house, want to start creating my own educational content. The key that you have to keep your finger on the pulse at all times, because it changes so rapidly and so quickly, you got to know what's coming. You got to know whether it's relevant, because just putting out content for the sake of content isn't going to get you anywhere. And, and Kieran and HubSpot, uh, you guys do excellent articles and, and pieces on this that you've got to know where this audience is and where it's heading as well. It's not worthwhile, okay, fine, maybe podcasts are the hot thing at the moment, but in what form, in what media, and then looking at video and how that's exploding as well. So right. uh, we're going to be busy for a couple of years, Kieran. I think that's the, <laughs> yeah. we're never going to be bored, that's for sure. Yeah, that's for exactly, sure. yeah. And, and speaking about the the podcast elements, obviously my my favorite subject. I've been very lucky to be able to be doing the podcast space for about ten to twelve years now. I love it dearly, as everyone who listens and follows Zine Three Sixty knows. And it's booming. The market is absolutely booming, and it's only getting bigger and bigger in terms of how it grows. Another downside of that is it can become oversaturated. I can't pull the stat off the top of my head. I'll check in a second. But there's beyond millions of podcasts being launched daily, weekly, that kind of come into to the space. Now, yep. as I mentioned at the top of the show, HubSpot has jumped onto the bandwagon. They've acquired Hustle and a new podcast network. And I know you guys are going to have done your research and you've got a plan in place for, for doing it. But why now? Why did the decision come now to suddenly get into kind of the podcast network element and, and what's your kind of plans for it? Yeah, I think that all of our decisions are based upon where do we best serve our audience, our customers. And we uh, did a bunch of research and we just saw people, not not that they were consuming less blogs, but they again, they were just spending more time online. And so they were consuming the same amount of blog content from us, but they were consuming a lot of podcasts, a lot of video. They were, were signing up to more newsletters. So we saw an opportunity to better address the needs of our audience and our, our customers. And podcasts are, are again, fascinating area, area in America. I think today more people have uh, listened to podcasts each week than have Netflix accounts. You saw big deals from Spotify and DraftKings buy up podcasts and podcast networks. And I still think we are early in being able to deliver great audio experiences. Uh, if you look at the kind of podcast stats, one percent of if you if you get more than three thousand downloads within the first seven days, you're in the top one percent of podcasts. And so most podcasts actually fail. And I think that's because we're still quite early in being able to deliver like great audio experiences. So I still think again, there's a lot of 
growth, a lot of innovation to happen. And you see kind of apps like Clubhouse even just innovating on audio itself. So we we wanted to do a kind of two things. We think podcasts are a great channel for storytelling, and that's part of media. Like we don't want to just educate; we want to be able to tell great stories. And so, podcast probably one of the hardest mediums to gr- to grow. I had a podcast. I know you're doing podcasts for a number of years, and they are actually one of the hardest things to actually grow because they don't have an inbuilt channel for growth. Like blog has Google, YouTube has an inbuilt platform where you can kind of grow your channel through. Podcast is a little bit trickier, but when you get a podcast that's uh, somewhat successful, the engagement within that podcast is just so much better than any other channel. The other challenging thing for podcasts is, or for consumers of podcasts is discovery, right? How do you actually go find new podcasts? And so we really wanted to solve those two things by taking the best creators within the business space and putting them on a network. And so those creators cannot just work with each other and they get value from that, but they promote each other's shows. We can tell the audience there's a great episode coming up on this podcast that you might be interested in or this podcast that you might be interested in. So that works really well uh, as well. And again, we just really want to be as successful. We've been very successful in all of the blogs that we've created. We want to be just as successful in, in audio, in video, and in these other types of mediums where our consumers and our audience and our customers are spending their time. Yeah, and I have uh, no doubt that you guys will be. You're very good at the the marketing element of it, but it, it's <laughs> it's interesting um, because also on the side of this, I also do coaching for for people and businesses who are who are starting podcasts, and it, it's always interesting the conversations I have, and especially when you get into the the free month mark of there's that misconception of podcasting is easy. You know, anyone yeah. can do it, and technically, yes, anyone can buy a microphone and, and do it. But I think what people don't realize is, okay, 20%, I, I view it as an iceberg. So the top of your iceberg is recording the podcast and, and making the content. But then you've got the giant 70% underneath the ocean of your marketing, your promotion, getting seen, visibility, and then keeping that going weekly, bi-weekly, however you kind of do it, is is definitely one of the hardest challenges for for people to kind of navigate and wrap their heads around. Are you finding the the same kind of thing on your side? Yeah, it's been really interesting. Like if you if you think about the uh, start of the year, HubSpot really didn't have podcasts, and today we have a podcast that uh, reaches billions of listeners each month, and we have a top ten business podcast in the uh, My First Million, which is part of the Hustle. And I spend a lot of time with Sam, who's the the founder uh, of the Hustle, and still works for HubSpot. And he, his podcast is phenomenal. I love it. And I've watched to see how he has grown it. And it's very hard because there's not a lot of repeatable tactics, but he's obviously very, very good at what he does, which is yeah. why we were lucky enough to acquire his, his company. And so I do think that we are learning how to, we are learning how to make podcasts more successful. I think the network gives us something very valuable that a few other brands have, which the best way to promote podcasts is actually through other podcasts. If you look at the data, even if you do advertising, the best ads you can run are usually across other podcasts for your podcasts. And our kind of creators within our podcast network are starting to see the value of that. And that's the thing that we want to do is we want to have the podcast network, first of all, serve our customers. That's the most important thing for us. But the second thing is really to serve the creators and to make the creators really happy and to be part of it. Um, And so difficult medium to grow, but I have seen a lot of interesting things that the creators across the entire network are doing to grow their podcasts. Yeah, definitely. It, there's some great tactics there to, and, and it is literally just, you know, have me on yours. Cause for example, being on this podcast today, 
our listenership will go, oh, HubSpot's got a, a podcast network now. I'm going to go check that out because right. I, I know they're the source for, for marketing and I want to hear what they have to say about that. So yeah. it works, people. It's here. It's happening. So <laughs> <laughs> the, the curiosity I think companies might have when they're listening to this conversation um, that we're having about bringing podcasts in and, and other digital media is is going to come down to kind of the ROI because no company wants to invest in massive studio or the equipment and getting guests and, and whatever costs might be associated from that element. So when we're talking about ROI, what should B2B companies especially be looking at if they are adding podcasts and other digital media, we, we're talking about filming as well here, to yeah. their kind of Marcom's mix? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's uh, where a lot of founders I, I i speak and advise a lot a lot of companies and talk to a lot of founders and the hardest thing is knowing how to invest your resources and your time it's easy to invest in things that have direct monetization so a lot of the content we create create we can actually see how many customers we get back from that effort and that is the easiest choices to make the hard part of that is you you're making choices where the payback is longer if you start a blog or you do any of this kind of content and publishing the payback to someone consuming that content and then becoming a customer is you know, longer than spending that money and paid and you just have to have good conviction that it's the right thing to do. In some of these other mediums, uh, like podcasts and some of the other mediums that we are really investing in, we see some of the content we do as like direct monetization. We can put in a certain amount of dollars and we can see the dollars come back. In those other mediums, we look at it in a different way. We look to see what is the net worth of our reach and so like how many listens do we get each and every month and how much contextual advertising can we do of our own brand? And so we kind of look at the CPM that we would have had to pay to advertise our own brand across those media products if they were external to us. And then we kind of upweight it a little bit because we think about it as being as a premium CPM because we can actually own the, we own the property so we can do better advertising across it. So for us, it's about reach and it's about owned media where we can actually reach our own audience and, um, do our own brand advertising. There's a great line from when Sam and I were talking to people about the deal when we first did the deal. The the way that I describe it and the way that Sam described it was, you know, a lot of software companies, one of the best examples of the, you know, podcasts that companies advertised on was Serial, right? That was one of the first big podcasts. Uh, you saw every tech brand and every brand clamoring to like get their ads onto Serial. And most software brands think about that. Okay, well, what's a popular media property and how do I just go and tell that media property to run ads for my brand? The difference with us is we actually think there's value in being the company who can create the Serial podcast and do our own brand on our own podcast, like to have that talent in-house and to be able to create those media products ourselves. And so that's how we think about the kind of media that we can't readily measure and just someone clicked on that thing and went on to become a customer yeah it, it's it's interesting isn't it to kind of have that kind of link and how that journey kind of progresses going forward um i really like how that kind of comes about and again it comes down to that planning element as well doesn't it, it it's it's all good sometimes to dive in on a project but the planning is really where we're going to see those results kind of come to fruition at the end of the day. And that's when yep. we see the ROI at the at the end of it. And that kind of leads me nicely to my kind of last question here, because I want to talk about people putting plans together for this. You know, we could have some marketing departments listening to this and being like, okay, so podcasts, videos, these are this is the way to go. I'm seeing lower traffic in my my article reach um, as we're kind of going across. So 
what would you say the kind of main tips that organizations and marketers should be doing when they're putting plans together and really achieve that effective customer communication, which is really the end result at the end of the day? Yeah, a couple of things. I think the first thing we need to do is be experts in our customers. And so actually a lot of marketers and marketing leaders I talk to, you ask them, hey, how many times do you speak to your customers or how does customer research part of your weekly, monthly uh, habits? And they're like, oh, I don't really speak to the customer. I kind of just look at the analytics. <laughs> You're like, uh, no, you should probably speak to your customers every week, every month. And so customer research, first of all, everything has to start with becoming an expert in your customer. If you're an expert in your customer, you're going to make better choices in the media that you invest in to reach those people. The second thing I would say is grow into your problems. And I really believe in that. So what you'll see is a lot of marketers or a lot of companies will say, they'll even they'll listen to this and they're like, oh, well, HubSpot's doing a podcast network and they're doing all these things. And they're a team of like 10 people and they're like, oh, well, we'll launch a podcast network. We'll do a blog. We'll do some video. And they kind of do everything. They peanut butter everything. So they're not successful in anything because they don't have the resources to truly compete in one thing. So grow into your problems and obsess over becoming more class at one thing at a time. I think most great brands that have become truly successful. The reason they've become truly successful is because they're very comfortable at the things they need to excel at in any given point of time. And they're very comfortable that the things they're pretty ordinary at within that given point of time and knowing that they'll get to them eventually. So I think the first is like expert and customer. The second is grow into your problems. And the third, uh, and, and the third is like, you want to truly have conviction about the thing that you think works. And so what you'll see if you, take a lot of the B2B brands is just this kind of graveyard of media that they've invested in and then kind of killed very quickly, like blogs, podcasts, video. These things take time. And so you need to have a lot of, con and they take a lot of iteration. And so you have to have a lot of conviction in the thing that you think you want to be successful in and do not give up so easily. Like part of the reason, part of the way that you can beat every other competitor is just through perseverance, right? That you actually will go that extra mile to learn that extra thing that they have not learned. And that's the thing that actually is going to make you successful. And having that conviction is only possible if you do one, which is, I truly know my customer. I truly know this is the thing that I need to have conviction about. I think those are some excellent tips to live by, and especially ones I hold near and dear to my heart as well, because if you don't understand the customer, you don't understand what the market is, and if you're not persistent with it, then of course things are just going to die by the wayside. But it, it's that keep slugging along, but understanding why is just so important. Kieran, I could keep you here for an hour, but you know the rule. <laughs> After half an hour, the people drop off. So uh, I'm sure <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I know, yeah. Gotta let you go, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, thank you so much for coming on and, and giving your insight on today's discussion. It's been uh, really great talking to you. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Max. I've loved it. Very welcome. And thank you everyone who took the time to listen to this podcast. If you are looking for more information, you can head on over to HubSpot.com. And if you promise not to leave the EM360 podcast, then I'll give you the link as well. It's HubSpot.com forward slash podcast network for their great resources uh, on some fantastic episodes. I was listening earlier today and there's some really insightful stuff that you guys can be checking out there. Um, that being said, you still have to come back and listen to us every week, and you can find <laughs> us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you go for your podcaster needs. Join the conversation at EM360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. And for more great daily content, please head on over to EM360Tech.com. <laughs> <laughs>